This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us and for your helping us to study and understand who the Lord Jesus is this morning in your precious name, amen. So we're gonna cover these verses this morning, which are chapter 12, verses 17 through 24, so please follow along as I read this. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, and my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive, nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Okay, now in our last study, you remember that we saw how we started to see that how much God the Father loved God the Son, as if he was introducing him to the world in verse 18, when he said, which is taken from Isaiah, as it says there, when he says, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I'll put my spirit upon him. He shall show forth judgment to the Gentiles. So God the Father is calling the Lord Jesus here names, wonderful names of my servant, because he perfectly obeyed him. Names of I've chosen, because he was chosen to be the one to save us from our sins. We were reading this morning in the breaking of bread just earlier where the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies thy footstool. He goes on, he calls him my beloved. We will never know 
the depth of the love that God the Father has for God the Son. But then he says, my soul is well pleased in him. And what that meant was that if God the Father could have thought, well, let's just say, let me put it this way. God the Father never could have thought. God the Father never could have desired, never could have imagined, never could have wished for anyone who would please him more than the Lord Jesus. And we're going to see that these names that are being brought out here are going to be in a direct contrast to the names that the Pharisees are going to call them. And we're going to see that when that happens, this passage here is really going to show for us the fight is going to be on. It's a fight that's going to result in his death. It's a fight that's going to result in the Father raising him from the death. It's a fight that's going to result in God the Father saying to him, ask of me, in Psalm 2, verse 8, Psalm 2, verse 8, ask of me, and I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So the war is on. But for now, in verse 18, we bask in the warmth of the expressions here of God the Father and showing his, his, expressing how much he loves God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God the Father now goes on to say more or to elaborate a little bit more on, on a point of why he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a point. And the point is in verse 19 where he says, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. So this is God the Father, um, I guess, bragging about the Son, how much he loves the Son. Because in verse 19, what's really happening here is that God the Father is just saying, wait a minute, wait a second, wait. He says, he says uh, uh, let me tell you what I really love about the Son. He doesn't strive with the people. Well, God the Father says that, he shall not strive in verse 19. He's really meaning that with all the wrongs that were done against him, with all the injustices that were done against the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's saying, you're not going to find him striving about that. The Lord Jesus saw clearly in his battles here on earth that his fight was not with man. His fight with man, that was not, he, he, saw, he saw what's so hard for us to see. He saw that, we, that he was really not wrestling, as it says in Ephesians 6.12. It says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against the powers, against the rulers of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what he says. He said his fight, he saw clearly, was against Satan and against satanic forces. And really, if we could see, they're more the cause of our problems than we see. We're going to see in verse 22, as we're coming up on it now, a man who he looked like he had just a medical problem just looked like he had a medical problem that resulted in his blindness and he couldn't speak. And for all intents and purposes, that's what it looks like, just only a medical problem. But the underlying reason, the underlying cause for this man's pathologies, this man's this problem, physical problems, was not medical. It was a spiritual. His blindness and his dumbness was because of Satan. We're going to see that. 
And we think that all of our problems are this person or that person or this situation, but these are only tools of Satan. And that really, the reality is, is that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against higher forces, forces that are called powers, forces that are called spiritual wickednesses in high places. Those are our real enemies, and he saw that. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't strive over how he was treated. He didn't look at people, and he said, my fight is not with you. The Lord Jesus didn't feel compelled to set the record straight. Oh, you always get into trouble, believe me. I, it's, a, it's a quick way to get into trouble is when you feel like, I gotta set the record straight. That's not a good idea, I can tell you from sad experiences, but it gets us into so much trouble when we go about to set the record straight. Pilate was trying to provoke the Lord. Go ahead, set the record straight. See how many things are saying against you? This is Matthew 27, 12. Matthew 27, 12, when Pilate says, when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. That's a beautiful picture there of he shall not strive. It's a beautiful picture because he he was being enticed, he was being provoked by Pilate to defend yourself, strive, set the record straight. And that beautiful phrase that's there in Matthew 27, 14, he answered him to never a word. That's beautiful. He answered him to never a word. That means that every accusation that was thrown at him, every word was like a bait, was like a a lure. And, And when it says he answered him to never a word, he was saying he didn't take one of them. He didn't take one of those baits. He didn't respond to the enticement. Just as if the Lord was saying to Pilate, look, you will not find a fight from me. I won't do it. And this fact that the Lord would not strive is set out as our example in the Bible when the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.24, 2 Timothy 2.24, it tells us the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So what those verses are telling us is that when we interact, especially with the lost, especially with the honorary, honor, uh, uh, the, the ill-tempered, lost people, we must not strive. We have to see strivings off the table for us. But what is on the table for us is gentleness with the lost and patience with the lost and teaching with the lost and meekness with the lost and a type of an understanding which is compassionate, a compassionate understanding of how the lost are their own worst enemy blocking themselves from entering into heaven. And last, hope. For the lost. That's on the table. Hope for the lost. Hope that maybe, just maybe, this lost person may recover himself out of the devil's trap and be saved from their sins. 
And so God the Father loves the Lord Jesus Christ because of verse 19, he shall not strive. Then it goes on, and he kind of elaborates more on this striving part because one form of striving is maybe not to strive directly ourselves, but to enlist others to take up our offense. And this is what he means in verse 19 when he says, nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. So what happened to the Lord throughout his life was one grand word, wrong. It was just wrong how he was treated. It was just wrong how he was accused. He, it was just wrong for him to be chased from city to city. His trial was wrong. His condemnation of death was wrong. Even how he was killed in such a humiliating way it was wrong. It was all wrong, wrong. And it would have been very easy for the Lord to have enlisted the support of the masses of the people who were following him to rise up in defense of all this wrongness. The Lord would have done that by crying out. The Lord would have done that by letting everyone in the country know what was done to him and making a public scene about it all and coming out in the middle of the streets and lifting up his voice for how he was mistreated. But the Father said that as far as that happening, verse 19, it wasn't going to happen, it didn't happen. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. In other words, the Lord just refused to defend himself. Instead of defending himself, he rested his case in the hands of God the Father. And he let God the Father be the guide, the judge, because the Lord Jesus didn't advertise to the masses about how he was going to be mistreated. And God the Father loved that about him. And it's so easy for us to get back at a person by complaining to another person about that person. And when we do that, when we complain about another person, it's like we're letting our voice be heard in the streets. And God would have it, just leave it in my hands, just to know that God, God sees it, he sees it all, and just let him take care of it. Because if we do that, in the end, we're going to walk away knowing something that we didn't know before. And what we're going to find out, and the great knowledge is going to be Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I mean, I think back of several of the wrongs that were done at Scanabody's laboratory. I, I think of one that I don't even want to talk about where I decided to set the record straight. What a disaster that was. Oh, it's terrible. Made a book setting the record straight. Anyway, there was another one, the $6 billion company that made this parathyroid hormone test that, that was harming to the point of killing dialysis patients. I started a campaign to stop the use of that test uh, that was harming patients. That company sued us in court uh, using a worthless patent that they bought and demanded $100 million, which we were a little short on. And the case dragged on for five years, cost us $8 million in legal fees. God saw that, and he rained on us the money we needed to not go bankrupt. Then there was the company that we made the first response pregnancy test for, and, 
and they violated their contract. I remember it came in one Friday morning, 7.30 in the morning, they called this meeting, they came in, stayed there for 30 minutes on the Friday to tell us you're fired and it's immediate and you've been replaced by some Chinese company and instantly they took away 30% of our revenues. God saw that, enabled us to start a human plasma collection center there on First and Broadway in El Cajon. And when we did that, we were told, you're a newcomer in this area of making blood products for injectable blood products. He says, you're not going to make it. Maybe you'll get, at the most, 50 donations a day at the most. In a very short time, we were generating over 300 donations per day, and we were in the top 5% of the volume for plasma companies. And so to cry out, and let our, our voice be heard in the streets is to take vengeance on those who are doing us wrong by getting others to hate him. And God the Father loved the Son because he didn't do that. He, he just took another road. And the other road that he took was seeing that in the middle of the height of the injustice and the wrongness that was done to him, when he was on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, and no one heard him cry out, about how wrong it was. No one heard him cry out, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I shouldn't be here. But what they did hear him say were his last words in Luke 23, 46. Luke 23, 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. See, into thy hands was the road he took. Into thy hands was the voice that was heard. Into thy hands was the choice that he made, and it's the choice that you and I have to make in life. It's either gonna be for us, into thy hands, I rest my case, or into my hands, I fight for my case and get even and set the record straight. See? This is verse 19. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall a man hear his voice in the streets. Now God the Father goes on to tell more about what he loves about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says it in verse 20, a bruised reed shall he not break. Now, how many here consider themselves gardeners? About the same as me. All right. <laughs> All right, but never mind. A gardener, when he comes across a, a bruised or a damaged plant, like a bruised reed, he looks at the damaged plant, and he says, it's a damaged plant. He says, it's a wounded plant. And he looks at that and he sees work. He says, you know, it's going to take, if I want to keep that there, that plant, that branch, he says, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of care. It's going to take a lot of nursing to support it. Maybe I got to make a splint for it. Maybe I got to take a lot of time to get the strength into that. And the gardener says, it's so much easier. So much faster just to whack it off, break it off, and, and just see it in time. It'll get replaced by a young, stronger, new branch, and, and just forget about that old wounded branch. I don't have the time to nurse that bruised branch back to strength again. Uh, by the way, this was not my wife. She was a gardener, and there's a bush. If you come to my house down on the street, it's an India hawthorn bush, and, and just to give you an idea, she would trim that bush, and it would take her five days 
all day long, one week to trim this one bush because she looked at every branch and fell in love with every branch. And oh, she probably gave names to each branch, and that's the way she gardened. But she was a real unusual gardener. When a dirty, rotten sinner comes crawling to the Lord Jesus Christ, needing cleansing, needing forgiveness, he's pretty wounded. He's pretty bruised. He's lived a life going down the wrong road, and he's all worn out, striving against God. In short, he just looks like a bruised reed. In short, it'd be very easy for the Lord to say, that dirty, rotten sinner is like a bruised branch of a plant. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of care, a lot of nursing to support that person. It's going to take a lot of my time for that person to become strong. It'd just be so much easier, so much more efficient to just forget about him, turn about my efforts to working with someone else, another person who's not so dirty, not so rotten, a sinner. I don't have time for that person to get out of his sin and all the damage the sin has caused in his life. The urge is just to cut off that bruised branch, fling it away. And if the Lord had done that, he would be breaking off a bruised reed. And for a gardener to not just break off and fling away a bruised branch, it takes vision. It takes vision on the part of the gardener. And I know it was in the mind of my wife as she was sitting out there for one week treating me one plant. She had a vision. And when it was over, it was beautiful. There was no, what do you call those things? Weed, electric uh, trimmer. No, no, everything was by hand. It was studying the joints and the, each little stem. And, oh, i got to cut it here. And because she could see that branch where that cut was coming up into a new leaf. And then it should stand back and look at the whole, oh, it's going to be perfect there, you know. And it was more the, I have a vision for this bruised branch. I can see this bruised branch healthy and strong. Give me some time. I'll invest my care into that branch. That branch is going to be useful again. That branch is going to bear fruit. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. When we come to him as a bruised, dirty, rotten sinner, the Lord looks at us and says, I have a vision for that person. I have a vision for that bruised, dirty, rotten sinner. I can see that he's going to be strong in the Lord. I can see him walking with God. Just give me time. I'll invest my care into him. He's going to become a fruitful person, a fruitful branch. And when a gardener, on the other hand, breaks off a bruised branch, he's just comparing the condition of that bruised branch to another healthy, new, healthy, strong branch. And he's saying, well, by comparison, the new healthy strong branch that could, that could replace this bruised branch, it'd be so much better. So just break off the bruised branch. That's all. And this shows us something about the Lord. The Lord never compares the condition of one sinner to another sinner in order to decide if he's going to invest his time in the, in the person or not. He doesn't look at each sinner who comes to him and make a decision to accept or reject the sinner, based on their condition. Instead, the Lord says in Revelation 3.20, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, that's the point, any man hear my voice and open the door, 
I'll come into him. I'll sup with him. He with me. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.